This episode of the Ghoulish Entertainment Podcast is brought to you by CutOutMe.com. At CutOutMe.com you can upload your own images and recreate them as cardboard cutouts or face masks. Watch their handy tips video to see what kind of images make a good cutout and off you go. As a special offer for our listeners, they are offering 10% off of your purchase if you use offer code GHOULISH10. So that's GHOULISH and 1 and a 0. No capitals, no spaces, blah 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 blah. Whether you've got a picture of the groom for an embarrassing best man speech, you find yourself unable to go to an international family event but still want to be in the photos, it's less than a plane ticket. Or maybe you're going off to university and will miss the family pet, because they do pets too. So that's cutonme.com using offer code ghoulish10. Ladles and jelly spoons, and welcome to another episode of the Ghoulish Entertainment Podcast. I am Jimmy Bowers, and it is just me today. So, in the last podcast, I did say that I was hopefully going to get try and get Liam on board to do an episode because we've been to the Void in London, which is a VR place. But we'll get into that. Unfortunately, it's not available, so it is just me. Never mind. So yeah, we went to the Void, which is, if you don't know, they're quite a big location-based VR experience slash project. Started in America, like uh, most things, technological based, especially when it's stuff like this. And they've had a few pop-up shops, um, I believe, moving in and around Europe. And um, currently they're based out of the Westfield Centre in London, the one in Shepherd's Bush. But they're only open until, I believe, the 9th, which at the time of recording is tomorrow. So once they're once it gets to the 9th, that's it. You can't go to the Shepherd's Bush location anymore. They are moving to the other Westfield Centre in London, uh, other side of London, which I believe is Stratford, um, and they're going to be there till sort of mid-May. But yeah, so we went to the Shepherd's Bush one just before it closed on the 5th, and we'll get into how that was. This is basically going to be the whole episode of our experience, and yeah, just what it was like as a whole. So travelling down there, we're quite far from London. I mean, we're Midlands, so... it's not as far as if we were travelling from Edinburgh, but uh, we're sort of Doncaster area, so it took us about three and a half hours to four hours to get down there, slightly because there was a massive delay outside Nottingham on the motorway because we happened to be passing it near rush hour. Kind of our own fault. Um, <laughs> but we booked the um, experience for half one, and we set off at nine, leaving ourselves plenty of time, and we only just made it. <laughs> so if we go again, we'll definitely be... Uh, probably setting off early just in case <laughs> so the trip down there was okay stopped a couple of time services traffic was meh but by the time we get past got past nottingham because by that time people should be at work because <laughs> we went on a monday it was a monday so i thought well when we're looking at what days to book weekends easiest for most people just because you're off you don't have to book a day off work or use a annual leave day or whatever but how it fell i was like oh we'll go we'll go on a monday because if anyone's not going to be in London, then it's going to be Monday, because, God, why would you have a day off at the beginning of the week? That's going to be the quietest day. Boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> um, trying to find the Westfield Centre, both of them, that I've, I've been to both, they're in London in the past, and they're both, you've got to drive through, through sort of residential streets to get there, it's kind of weird, but once we got there, my God, was Westfield busy. It's got kind of the cool car park system where you can see how many spaces are free per uh, per aisle um, because they've got lights on the roof like at the end of every car parking space which is quite cool and not something we have up here but there was barely any spaces whatsoever 
to the point where we saw one space, it was a couple rows over, and we just shot down there before anyone else had the chance to, because there was a sort of a readout of how many empty spaces there were left in the whole centre, and it said something like 49, and in the space of moving a few rows, it was down to 22, and I was like, we're not going to get parked. It's like nearly half one already. So we shot down, and it turned out the reason why no one had entered this one space that was free was because there was a, a flatbed transit in the space in front, and it was taking up a space and a half, the flatbed taking up half a space of the space behind it. I would like to say we went a bit dodgy, let's park sort of elsewhere, let's just keep driving around. But no, we squeezed my tiny car into that space. <laughs> we stuck out quite a bit, but yeah. <laughs> it was alright when we came back, there was no dents or anything. So um, yeah, we parked there, it went into the Westfield Centre. Now, not knowing anything about this particular cent- uh, shopping centre, having looked online beforehand trying to find out where this event experience was based... Um, knowing it was a sort of temporary location, couldn't find anywhere any information whatsoever, which was stressful. So we got there, and in my head I was like, right, there's only a few days left of this event. It's a collaboration with Lucasfilm and Industrial Light and Magic. Surely it's the only place in the UK. Surely it'll be well signposted. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> we walked around, couldn't find it. Um, we even downloaded the Westfield app and did a store search. It wasn't there. And we found a phone number that Liam called and it was an automated line and we couldn't get through to a real person. So at this point we had about 10 minutes left and we just decided to fuck it. We'll walk around and try and find it. We'll, we'll walk fast. So we walked around and it turns out it's not actually in a shop itself. It's in um, a sort of free walkthrough concourse area. And it's just like sat in the middle of all these shops, like a big, I don't know, grey box. (laughs) So it's not actually a shop itself. It is a sort of temporary location in the middle of a walkway. In a quite sort of broad walkway, obviously. But yeah, it, it, it was there. So we got there just on time. And trying to actually get into the uh, event was difficult as well. (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't well explained or located or whatever, but actually trying to get in it was all like uh, roped off and there wasn't a stack I don't know why but they they had actually linked up every rope to the point where if someone doesn't let you in you don't know where the rope system queue course starts so we kind of just walked around it couldn't find an obvious entrance and just stood near where someone was based that worked there and she went oh have you got a reservation yeah we've got a reservation okay come through there's an area at the very beginning where you can hand your bags over if you've got bags but we didn't have anything to hand over i asked about keys in pockets and stuff and she was like i right, it, it won't matter you're not going to be jumping around so i was like oh, okay no problem so she uh, gestured us to a counter where a lady was working and she read our printout you don't particularly need it the only thing you really need is your booking surname who it was booked under and um, i printed it off just because i wanted to be safe i didn't want to drive for four hours and then go Oh no, you need your printout. <laughs> so I had it on my phone, had it printed. All you need is your surname, really. So she said, "Yep, you booked in. Um, if you just go to these tablets, they were like on a, a couple. There was about four um, iPads on plinths, and you went over and you had to sign and go through this sort of non-disclosure agreement, which I believe was 
uh, I didn't read it as you should because <laughs> there was tons but I believe it was just you got you get emailed it but I believe it was just a case of hey, hey this is a sort of experimental experience if you have a heart attack and you've not heeded the warnings you can't particularly sue also seizures <laughs> we didn't have any of that thankfully but yeah it was like it was that kind of agreement and standard stuff so um, after we filled that in she went oh you can uh, queue up now so we went to queue up and actually getting in didn't take that long at all maybe about 20 minutes because um, there's already quite a few people there so about 10 to 20 minutes they bring you through i believe the maximum that can run the course is groups of four so if you come and you're a six you will be split up the four will go together and then there'll be two that either go by themselves or are teamed up with the two from somewhere else so some strangers um, there was not that many people there particularly after us so me and Liam got to run through just in a two which suited me quite alright <laughs> never experienced in VR before I actually got quite nervous because um, I didn't know how I would react to it and I've heard the motion sensitivity can be quite bad uh, for some people people can have like quite an adverse reaction to motion, motion sensitivity even if it's just the oh I'm sat at home doing it let alone running around with something on your head so <laughs> I was a little bit nervous so going through and it was just us two I was like well if the worst happens and I throw up it's just me and Liam <laughs> So the first thing is the prep room. Um, I saw online that this prep room video that you watch that sets up the story of what you're about to play is about 15 minutes long, which is bollocks. It's only about five, if that. Um, it doesn't take up a large portion of the event, and it's only a half an hour sort of experience anyway. So if it was 15 minutes, I wouldn't be best pleased because <laughs> you want to get in and actually do it. Um, so no, it just basically sets up the story. The actor who plays Cassian from Rogue One, it just explains what you'll be doing because it's set around that time. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be infiltrating a base on Mustafar, which is where uh, Anakin became Darth Vader and got chopped up a bit. And, yeah, it's an Imperial base that you're going to be sneaking, sneaking onto. You're a Stormtrooper. Well, you're a rebel dressed up as a Stormtrooper. So, after this, we walk through, get suited up, uh, get uh, buckled up and stuff. And we did have um, people assisting us that worked there that was sort of adjusting straps and stuff and explaining how to um, tighten stuff and uh, adjust the visor and whatnot. Um, and then you get led into a hallway and you just have to wait until there's a, a sort of a cubicle free. It looks like just a, like a changing cubicle, grey walls and everything. So we stepped in this room uh, when we were gestured to go into this room. And the lady says, oh, stand opposite each other. So we stood opposite each other and she went, right, now you can lower your visors. And as we lowered the visors, it was instant that... I wasn't looking at Liam anymore. I was looking at the Stormtrooper. And <laughs> Liam's first words, because he actually spoke first, was, holy shit. <laughs> because it was really instant and really freaking cool. So that kind of caught us off guard. So I, I could see him. He could see me. We had colour-coded. Um, I believe that's so you can sort of differentiate, differentiate each other from the other Stormtroopers. Doesn't really make sense story-wise. Ooh, these are curious uh, saboteurs are uh, wearing stormtrooper armor and they're, they're the only colorful stormtroopers in this entire base you have like highly uh, armor highlights so even though you're white stormtrooper uh, like white stormtrooper armored you have like highlights of certain colors kind of like republic commander if you ever played that game so liam was um purple and i was orange and um the tracking is immense to the point where i could see liam didn't realise I'd turned Stormtrooper yet. Held up my hands and I was gauntleted like a Stormtrooper. Um, so like black gloves and on the back there was like a patch of um, armour, like white armour with orange highlight. 
and it was even good enough to know like I was moving my fingers independently and it was tracking each finger and I went to high five Liam and it synced up that well that we sort of executed a high five without being able to see the physical hands <laughs> the real hands um, and the coating was really good how it reskinned your actual hands it was really convincing um, to the point where even the gloves like even the fabric looked look ruffled a little bit so going through um, you from this room it reskins everything and it's like a loading area you walk through the door as it opens and you're <laughs> well as it opens k2so bursts out and goes oh come inside and it's a it's a um, stolen imperial shuttle there's you whoever you're with k2so and um another rebel person who's dressed up as a blue and white stormtrooper so he's actually piloting the thing you go in and you land, go in, and you land, and you land, and um, you're told to leave your weapons behind. At this point, I was really confused, because I'd seen that you have weapons, and when this guy went to throw weapons to us, I was super ready to catch them. Um, but as he goes to throw them, uh, it comes over the speakers that all arms must be left inside. Um, you're going through sort of a clearance scan. So he puts them back away, and I'm like, I thought we got to shoot on this experience. I think that's supposed to take you off guard, which is why it's not really talked about online. You can see videos of people going through this and shooting, but it really sort of threw me. I was like, okay, I guess we're not getting blasters. Okay. So um, you step out onto like a flying skiff, piloted by an actual stormtrooper, an actual bad guy, <laughs> and um, you go over the lava pits of Mustafar up to this base. And as soon as the doors open, the heat that hits you is... Uh, goes with that. It's just incredible. <laughs> I've been to some hot places. Like, I went to Rome in summer and it was 50 degrees. It was on par with that. It just, as it hits you, as it hits you, you could feel it radiating below you. And that's just the immersion they put into that. So, not only is everything reskinned, but there's actually effects on your body. It was quite amazing. <laughs> um, it did add to it. And it felt, as I stepped onto the skiff, I was wobbly legged <laughs> even though I knew I wasn't really high above lava as it was moving and flying I, I, I kind of stood bow legged <laughs> bracing myself <laughs> and uh, as the door opened and Liam realised we had to walk out onto this platform from the skiff it, from inside onto this platform <laughs> his face was a picture I was like you first <laughs> so we went out onto this skiff into the base and um, you go into this lift. At the bottom of the lift, there's um, K2SO over the radio, and he stays over the radio for most of the event, to be honest. Um, he goes off somewhere else, different area of clearance. And uh, you're going down this lift, and he comes over the radio and says, you have to stay perfectly still. There's a security scan coming. And you can hear sort of droid noises, and there's a flashing light. And it did that once or twice and we were just stood there as still as, still as we could be and I realised after the fact that that's because the next section's quite long and it was actually holding us until the people in front of us had finished and it was quite a cool way of doing that because we were stood really rigid and after about a minute or two I turned to Liam and I was like ah, I see what they're doing <laughs> clever um, so when the door opens you're walking through um, a stormtrooper it's kind of like the main the main area of the 
of the base, and the stormtroopers everywhere. So you're walking really, really um, slowly, and K2SO is telling you over your radio not to draw attention to yourself. So you're walking down these alleyways. It's like a trench. So you're walking down this trench. The stormtroopers sort of above you and to the side, and uh, you get into this little. You get into this room, and the door's locked, and then the alarm sounds. Now. I think I jumped the gun here because <laughs> I walked into this room first and saw that it was actually the beginning of an armory and there was rifles on the wall. So I grabbed the rifle and went, look, I, I well, I put my hand out and said, I wonder whether I can actually grab these or whether it's just reskinned. Stuck my hand out and actually grabbed the rifle. <laughs> I went, oh, like put it in my hands and looked around uh, with it. Now, it's not actually... The guns that you can see online for um, the Void, I believe... Oh, I can't remember. Is it the Rapture system? I believe the Void uses a technology called Rapture, and the Rapture rifles don't look a thing like the thing I picked up. It, it looked like a... I think, is it a DI-17? Uh, something like that. Uh, Stormtrooper rifle. And uh, I sort of ran my hand over it, over it, and there was areas where I my hand dipped in, where the reskinning obviously wasn't one-to-one with the actual rifle. Um, so they reskin these rifles to look like actual rifles, even though that's, that's not how they look, um, which was I thought was a really cool touch. But I picked these rifles up before the alarm went off, so I kind of jumped the gun, <laughs> um, because then K2SO tells you to arm yourself and defend yourself. And, yeah, the stormtroopers in this section, you've got to go back into the hallway or use use the door for cover like Liam did, like a coward. <laughs> I ran straight out into corridor, started firing like Rambo, and uh, that's when I actually took the, my first hit to the chest from a stormtrooper blaster. Someone shot me. Didn't realize it. Well, I did realize you got haptic feedback because you put on like a combat jacket and it's got little sensors on it, uh, little like rumble pads, and it actually does hurt quite a bit. It's just like a little sting, and it buzzes for a bit. So I, I, I got a couple shots on me, and then I. We, we were shooting all the stormtroopers and um, we got through this section and the stormtroopers, the amount that were coming started to sort of dwindle and uh, I heard Liam say that he'd not been shot yet and I was like well, no shit, you've not come out at the doorway so <laughs> he sort of was still firing and it just crossed my mind and the the, ta- the amount of time that it crossed my mind and I actually shot him was about a second I was like, oh, I wonder whether we can actually do friendly fire. I turned on, I turned to him and shot him in the middle of the chest, which almost knocked him off his feet. He staggered because he wasn't expecting it. And I don't think the um, NPC enemy AI is, ac- is quite as accurate as a person is <laughs> because obviously the stormtroopers, they can't really sh- shoot a, bull- a bullseye. Um, so I shot Liam right in his chest, which must have set off quite a lot of sensors because he just staggered backwards. <laughs> And all I heard was, oh shit, oh shit. (laughs) I didn't tell him till after we'd finished the event that it was me. (laughs) I almost wasn't going to. But he brought it up. He was like, I didn't really get shot at all, but there was one that really stung. It was the first first time I was shot. I was like, yeah, that was me. (laughs) So if you ever go, friendly fire is on. So that could be fun if if your um, companions don't know. Um, (laughs) So we escape and go into the next section up up a lift and you come into like a gantry way on the outside of the base so it's like it's like a metal walkway with a railing and you can see Mustafar, the lava pits they're below you it's really hot again and that's when stormtroopers start coming outside 
on higher and opposite walkways and start firing across at you. So we start firing back. There's some really cool moments where Liam shoots a stormtrooper in the face and he cartwheels into the lava doing the sort of, is it Heimlich scream? Something like that. Um, but yeah, it's like, ah! falls in the lava. <laughs> and it, it, that section was brilliant. And um, I actually showered, showered Liam with um, sparks because I shot and it hit the railing that's not really there and that my bolt um, sparked into sparks. <laughs> to be ultra-specific, it sparked into sparks. <laughs> um, so I oh, Liam, look, if you actually hit something like metal, it sparks like you, you imagine it would. So I was firing, and I was showering his face with sparks, and he's like, I can't see! <laughs> um, there's a stormtrooper that comes that sets up like a um, laser turret, which we managed to dodge, but that comes at you quick. Um, and then there's another section where you have to fight a creature that comes out of the lava. Um, this results in an explosion that actually, once the explosion clears, you see there's another path, it's blown out a wall, which was really amazingly done, because I was watching this certain piece of wall, because I could see that's where the explosion was, the rocket slash explosion was going. I was like, oh, I wonder how they do this. And I was looking at the wall, and it exploded, and that left a smoky hole with debris. And it looked, it looked real. <laughs> I'm not just going to say, oh, I, I could see how they did it. I mean, I could see what was happening, but it looked, it looked brilliant. It makes me wonder whether, if we'd have just carried on walking along that walkway, whether it's something that comes up, or whether we could have walked straight through that wall into the next section. Without it, without it blowing up, because that gap's going to always be there. A lot of questions. <laughs> the next section was quite um, a bit more complicated. You've got to enter um, codes in a sequence, so like red, yellow, yellow, red, blue. That kind of... There's a, there's about five different colours. Um, K2SO is on the other side, and you've got to get through security by doing these codes as they're appearing. But as that's happening, you're being shot by stormtroopers. So Liam shot the stormtroopers, I did the code. Went wrong a few times. <laughs> but he had an issue where he said the physical buttons and his hand didn't line up. Um, so he was struggling to press the buttons, which is why he started shooting. But that didn't happen to me throughout the thing. Um, it was completely fine. Everything physical, like there was a switch on the wall at one point. Everything that was reskinned that I could see in the virtual world lined up with its physical component, but Liam said he had a little bit of issue with that. Um, so I put the code in, we got through to the next section. <laughs> the next section was kind of my favourite, even though there wasn't that much to do. So the next section is kind of the last bit. Um, we run into the room, Liam starts shooting the first Stormtrooper he sees, and I go, that's the white and blue Stormtrooper, that's our friend. <laughs> and he went, oh! So you're breaking in to find this um, hidden, uh, to find this um, shipping item that the Empire have just acquired, and it's really important, and we need to find out what it is. I'm not going to spoil it. Actually, I am going to spoil it, because I've got a theory. So if you don't want to hear what my theory is, or what the spoiler thing is, I'd skip ahead about a minute and a half, a minute and a half two minutes. Okay, so the thing that you're going to find is in a crate, and it's a old lightsaber. Looks like a longsword. Um, but obviously the blade is energy, light, whatever. It is the lightsaber that Kylo Ren's lightsaber is designed off of. When they said in the promo stuff that it was, oh, it was an old-fashioned lightsaber based off an old-fashioned design, it's this. It's this longsword lightsaber. My theory is, um, because this lightsaber you don't get to steal for the Republic, my theory is now that um, in Episode Eight. Ray doesn't have a lightsaber, is that she's going to find and have this one. So, fighting 
Kylo Ren with her actual old school original lightsaber. That's my theory. <laughs> it might not be true, but they have said that this experience filters into the cinematic universe. So whether it's just a link to Kylo Ren's lightsaber or whether it's actually going to appear in a film, upcoming film, I think this is what um, Ray's going to get in episode 9. My thought. So, going to this section, um, spoiler over. <laughs> going to this section, crate opens and the contents are pulled and the contents are pulled to the left and go down a dark corridor and I go, oh crap, <laughs> that's the force, there's something coming. So at the end of this dark corridor that we can't see to the bottom of, um, we hear footsteps and I, get, and I start thinking, oh, I bet it's probably Kylo Ren. And then think, don't be stupid, this is the Empire, it's not the First Order. Just as a lightsaber comes on, red lightsaber slowly, like in the scene in Rogue One, down the corridor on um, the Republic ship, can't remember what it was called, but yeah, the main Republic flagship, it's Darth Vader. <laughs> you can hear the breathing, he says, you shouldn't have come here in James L. Jones's uh, bassy voice, and starts coming forward. The w- a word never uttered before in Star Wars, <laughs> or the sentence never uttered before in, in Star Wars, is the primal fear when Darth Vader appears and starts walking towards you and there's nothing you can do. Liam says, oh, fuck that. <laughs> I start firing as he's deflecting all the bullets back at Liam, <laughs> which was brilliant. Um, and then he starts walking towards us. There's nothing we can really do, and I can tell that the event it's going to be over in a second, so I'm looking around us and just trying to take the experience in, because I've seen Darth Vader, we can't stop him, he's coming towards us. So I turn to Liam and say, I'm sort, of, I'm, I'm sort of looking at him, and I went, oh, that's really cool, and he goes, what, what's wrong? I said, we started as super clean new stormtroopers, because we've been in like a lava environment with smoke and stuff and explosions, we've actually um, grown in like a layer of grime. I was like, oh, that's really cool attention to detail. We've actually got, like, battle damage and um, scars and, like, smoke and stuff on us. And then me and Liam go start to convulse. And I realise I'm covered in blue lightning. And Darth Vader's done force lightning on us, which has sent, which has set every haptic sensor off on our on our suits. <laughs> which was quite, it made me jump quite a lot. It actually hurt. <laughs> so... Every sensor on this jacket goes off, back, front, sides. <laughs> and I'm going... Ah, gah, 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 gah. <laughs> As I realise what, what the hell's going on. And then there's there's a ship that blasts through and we're, we manage to just escape. Um, and that's kind of the end of the event then. As we walk into the um, ship that K2SO was flying that's blasted through the hangar and kind of saved us last minute, there's a black R2-D2 unit. And completely forgetting myself and completely immersed, I go to pat it on the head as we walk past, and it doesn't exist, and my hand goes straight through. <laughs> but that's kind of how immersed I was, and I'm a big nerd, and I was probably smiling like an idiot throughout the whole thing. Um, you can actually buy uh, stuff afterwards, and you get a photo taken. Photo wasn't too great because they didn't. The bloke that was taking the photo when we came out with all the gear on, he didn't tell me to move in, and I was cut off from the first picture completely and most of the second picture he takes two but for this i guess that's why he took two because this first picture was completely cut off but for the second one he didn't say oh just move in a bit you're getting cut off um and it wasn't obvious so there's things you can buy afterwards like souvenirs jackets t-shirts key rings whatever um but i bet these staff have some real fun 
looking at the CCTV cameras of people running through the event, smiling like idiots with goofy helmets on. Because <laughs> um, I knew I was, like, squeeing and just loving it. <laughs> at the end, when the ship crashes through and there's all this rubble um, as the base sort of collapses, your guns are struck, your sort of hands are struck with rubble and it bends the guns, which is really funny because then it bends it into a similar shape of the uh, Rapture rifle as it is without being reskinned. And it's because after that point you can't fire your rifle, which it's clever that they've bent the weapon so you can't fire it, and you know you can't fire it without going, oh, why isn't it working? So it that was it was just the attention to detail that really blew me away, and the tracking's immense. Only problem we had was when we were stood too close together, because I guess the only thing that tells the tracking cameras what to show your visor is the QR code on your chest, on your jacket. So that I believe that tells it who whoever's limbs are close to this are their limbs um, and track it accordingly with colours. Because I was stood close to Liam at one point. In fact, we were both firing. And I realised that my hand had um, purple um, tints. The Stormtrooper sort of purple colouring, which is Liam. And uh, yeah, I sort of realised that oh, it thinks that because I'm close to Liam it's getting confused who to track. Like, it's giving me his arm. Um, so yeah, if you get too close, it does it does have a little bit of an issue, but it doesn't actually affect when you're shooting something in the distance. You don't really realise. Um, but the tracking, for the most part, and the experience, the added immersion of this heat, that's cold, there's blasts of hot air um, from explosions. You can feel it when you're shot, when you force lightning to an inch of your life. <laughs> Um, it's just really immersive to the point where I tried to pat an R2-D2 that wasn't there. <laughs> um, the real world elements that didn't line up that Liam had trouble with. I'm not too sure what that was. I don't know whether he's... Um, you sort of got, kind of got to adjust at the beginning. He had trouble where he put his helmet on and his vision was blurry. So he told the lady and she adjusted the focus and she showed me. She said, oh, there's a there's a dial on the top of the helmet. If you twist that, it sort of sharpens your focus. I don't know whether it was probably not sharpened enough. So everything was slightly just misaligned for Liam. But he said the entire experience was fine. It was just when he had to interact with like a handle on the wall or something. It didn't quite line up to where his hand was. So I'm not too sure what that was, but I didn't have any of those problems. And we are actually planning to go again. It's in the UK till May. And I'm hoping this temporary pop-up shop in London is kind of a precursor to can we have a full experience here. There's a couple places where you can go, physical locations that the Void specialises in. They don't just do Star Wars, they've got their own um, events and things, uh, their own storylines, their own designs, and they also do a Ghostbusters one as well, where the, your guns are proton packs. So, which sounds really cool, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But Star Wars was a perfect tester for me, and I think a perfect tester for the market in general. I'm hoping that they've turned over enough or seen enough interest to open a place over here because I would be going once a month <laughs> um, I love virtual reality well I love before this I love the idea of virtual reality but now I've seen it in action and with the void it's kind of at the minute it's kind of the pinnacle of what we can achieve retail wise I want to invest as much as I can in making sure that system's a success I think um, at home, as Gus Elder said for Rooster Teeth, VR at home is quite fractured. The amount of like Oculus Rift, um, HTC Vive, 
the market's quite fractured and it it's kind of a steep level of entry i mean once the technology becomes uh more mainstream then obviously the units will be cheaper but it's quite a high barrier to entry for tech requirements cost um so i think events and destination vr is going to be more popular first and the amount that this event is booked was booked up for um there was days where we wanted to go and couldn't because it was fully booked i definitely think there's a market there and i would definitely go back so that's kind of the review of the void uh, i hope it's been quite interesting if you've not been get yourself down before it goes in may <laughs> um so yeah it's at the stratford uh, area of london it's that westfield center that it's going to be at now um believe it reopens again in a couple of weeks Give gives them time to set it up again i guess um and then yeah it's running till i think it's the second week in may and then there's no plans after that to keep it in the uk so i if you're in the uk get down there if you're in america and you've not been to the void go there's one near you or there's one somewhere <laughs> i think there's one in ohio i can't remember where the other one is anyway yeah there's there's multiple in the us so get yourself to the void it's amazing if you love gaming there you go that kind of covers it for this time i've been jimmy bowers for ghoulishentertainment.com thank you for listening and i will see you again in a fortnight bye